This is the No Sweat Podcast with Andrew O'Neill. We'd like to clarify that we are No Sweat, the grassroots anti-sweatshop organisation. We should not be confused with the other No Sweat, which is the support group for aristocratic non-perspirers, which was set up by Prince Andrew, the Duke of York, in the wake of his Newsnight interview with Emily Maitlis. To our knowledge, Prince Andrew's No Sweat organisation does almost no campaigning against unfair labour conditions. Our No Sweat is also nothing to do with Nose Wet, the chain of canine health and fitness centres that boast your dog's nose will be wet or will personally set ourselves on fire. Furthermore, I have been subject to a restraining order preventing me from telephoning Nose Wet and saying my dog has no nose. Neither are we affiliated with No Swat, the Fly, Mosquito and Midge Rights Association, No Swats, the Anti-Intellectual School Bully Association, Noose Wet, the campaign for hangings to be carried out underwater, Nurse Wet, the Scuba Diving Healthcare Association, Nouse Wit, the Common Sense Good Humour Association, or, now that's what I call Music Volume 5, the 1985 edition of the long-running pop music compilation album. I hope that makes everything clear. The No Sweat Podcast, with Andrew O'Neill. Welcome to the No Sweat Podcast, the official podcast of the grassroots organisation that fights sweatshop labour and builds worker solidarity worldwide. I am Andrew O'Neill, non-binary occultist stand-up comedian and dickhead, and I'm joined by my two esteemed colleagues. First up is the inventor of the Sony Discman, London's foremost archery safety officer and current No Sweat Activist of the Year, it's Nav Singh. Boop, boop. And we also, that's a good not as an excellent noise. Um, we also have campaigner, blogger, creator of the 1980s sitcom The Golden Girls, as well as writer of the best selling SAS survival handbook, it's Maisha Begum. <laughs> I mean, I'm genuinely enjoying the subtle, the, the, the subtle greetings. So, um, this is episode two of the No Sweat podcast. This is the first one where we're going to be digging deeper into. Issues deeper into regions uh, and exploring the issues that are behind um, sweatshop labour and behind workers' exploitation and finding out what people are doing about it. And uh, we have an absolutely incredible interview with an absolutely incredible activist, but we'll get to that in a, in, in a little bit. So I, dear listener, am here to guide you through these issues, to hold your hand, because uh, I'm basically ignorant about all these issues. So I'll be asking all the questions most people will be too proud to ask, like a shameless heavy metal medieval fool. But sire, why is sweatshop labour bad? Now, um, today we're talking about Haiti. Um, and here is what I know about Haiti. Haiti is a country in the Caribbean. Uh, it's the western half of an island that it shares with the Dominican Republic. Uh, it's an ex-French colony, so basically white Europeans killed and displaced the indigenous population, as they always did, and um, uh, and then filled it with exploited workers and also with slaves, with African slaves. Um, I also believe that Haiti is the first 
country to declare independence from colonial rule. Um, that is that is the sum total of my knowledge. Uh, but happily, we have people here who know much more than I do. So, um, Maisha, could you give us a bit of a background on um, Haiti politically, economically, uh, and why that country um is a a focus for um workers activism and a focus for anti-sweatshop campaigning yeah sure so haiti is a hub for sweatshops essentially that largely supply u.s brands and so the u.s has largely been involved in haitian politics um via intervention coups etc um in order to continue to profit from cheap labor from haiti and so we've seen an uprising of workers who are standing up against um poor wages they're demanding the government increase minimum wage um the conditions there which you'll hear about are pretty horrific but at the same time this uprising has been pretty phenomenal and has accomplished a lot in terms of collective bargaining agreements and um just standing up for workers rights and i think it's been really powerful um what we've seen so far and i think it's really key for us as a campaigning group to keep standing in solidarity with haitian people because as you mentioned like they are historic they've historically stood up against injustice mm. um particularly from imperial powers yeah. and i think it's just yeah i'm just pretty inspired i'm still very inspired from this whole interview like it's amazing and i really hope people get gain so much from this not just from what's happening now but the history of the group and the individual and what the struggle has been and how far they've come yeah absolutely so now from the from the no sweat activist point of view what what are the organizations uh, or the main organization working in Haiti that no sweat are campaigning in solidarity with um so the the organization yeah. that no sweat is working with directly is bataille ouvrier which means the workers fight in english um which is the 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 organization which is fighting for uh, workers rights they formed in 1995 um and in 2009 they've started to create unions in garment factories in haiti right excellent so that's so that's so there's um uh i want to say indigenous but indigenous obviously has a, a, a another meaning when we're talking about places like haiti um but there's a there's a, a grassroots you know workers movement that's happening there uh that no sweat are campaigning alongside uh, and this was has a, has a has a bit of history and the uh, the incredible activists that we uh, we interviewed um we'll go into that in in, in some uh, some detail later on so um so who is uh, this incredible interviewee yannick etienne uh, yannick is um one of the organizers in bataille ouvrier and um she's like in the forefront of keeping unions in batteries um, she's had an amazing past with her family being involved in politics and she's had experience with working in the factories with different people that have right. obviously suffered. Um, so she she she's heavily invested in the whole movement. Mm. Yeah, and listening to the interview, I mean, it's... Dear listener, you're, it's, I, was, I was blown away by it. She's so charming and she's so brilliant. And she's so, you know, she's, she's a veteran of these, of these uh, organisations, labour movements and that sort of thing. Um, so tell us a little bit about your interview. Yeah, I mean, as Nav said, it was very inspirational. Um, I think just hearing her story and the background of what inspired her to get to where she is and to what, what kind of, what, ins what motivates her to keep organising workers and the successes they've had. 
um, the challenges they've had, but also how they've been able to spark international solidarity and the power that's had in challenging big corporations, like really huge ones mm. um, that I'll not mention for suspense. But um, oh, this is good. Keep them, keep your powder dry. This is excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So there's <laughs> some like, like a trailer. There's a big name coming in in the episode, but um, yeah, and I think it's just. She's also just a lovely, very lovely lady. So I think it's just yeah. a really nice, inspiring conversation with a woman who's done a lot and is a very just a big inspiration for the worker movement. Awesome. So, uh, so this is this is this is Nav and Maisha's interview with the incredible Yannick Etienne. So. It's nice to have you here, of course. Uh, we will start off with the Me question. <laughs> uh, no Sweat have first worked with your organisation, Bataille Ouvrier, uh, for al- almost 20 years ago. So you've been involved in the workers' rights in Haiti for a long time. How did you first get involved in the struggle? So I was working in a little uh, health centre, you know, in a poor neighbourhood in Port-au-Prince. So one day it happens that uh, there was a little boy that came very burned, you know, almost all over his body. And then I was surprised to see that, you know, that kind of burn. I mean, I said, what happened? Where is that boy's mother? Okay. I said, I have to find that woman to tell him, you know, what's going on. I can, she leaves a kid Mm. like this. The next day I went to visit and uh, the mother and then I found out she was a worker at a factory. This is how we meet. We talk about the situation in the factory. She, because of the very uh, low salary, she couldn't afford to have somebody to take care of the kids. So she left the kids, you know, running, you know, with the neighbors. And of course, the kids is playing all over the place. And then, then that's his Lincoln. She. The kid went to play in fire, you know, so and then got burned. And then this is how it starts. She invited me. She invited me to, to to a factory, of course, in front of the industrial park. So I start talking to people and then finding more and more. And then I got involved. This is how I got involved. And because I, I was really in the, the, the struggles in the popular uh, neighborhoods, but not in the industrial uh, sectors. So this is how, because of this, you know, this little health center helping people in this neighborhood, I got connected with uh, the workers, and then and and then I got involved, of course, and I even tried to work there. <laughs> they would let me stay. I worked for two two weeks because, of course, I'm, I was different because they know. And I was talking to people. I was trying to understand the situation. It was just not like a regular worker who just tried to do the job. And then even though I was uh, fired and I kept uh, having the same, you know, relations with the other workers because they mm-hmm. knew about me. And then uh, we renewed the contact and then we start having meetings. I invite them to the neighborhood because there were other workers in the same neighborhood. So we start having meetings and this is how I got involved with the workers movement. And then of course, 
I was always interested in the work working class uh, struggle, and uh, of course, due to my background and you know progressive, so you always tend to involve you know particularly at that time we're talking about 1980s, and I was when I because I was in in New York, you know, because I I left my my parents had to to flee to to the united states so i was uh, i'm not saying uh, i was you know my my she was as a political uh refugees i should say yeah so so that young you know my family was always involved in policy particularly my father you know my father was the what you call the camouquin during the Duvalier's time. And then these are the people who took arms against uh, the, the Duvalier's government. Okay. My, my father, my uncles were involved in this. And then my stepfather got uh, arrested. This is why my, my mother has to leave the country. So I, I was in a very political family that way. I mean, not my mother, of course, <laughs> but my, my, my uncle, my father and stuff like that. But since she was raising the kids, so she, she know there were some implications for her. Just she, she ran for her life. So I was interested in the political, particularly progressive uh, political, uh, uh, activities when I was uh, in in New York, and then uh, so I went to college. I was involved in the student movement period where we were supporting and uh, the anti-colonial struggle, and you know of course South Africa, Zimbabwe. This this country were mm. not uh, nations yet, so they were fighting to become nations. So of course. As a student, I was involved in supporting those struggles, you know, the African liberation struggle. And of course, in the in the United States, there was the black movement. And so I got involved in, in organizing the Haitian student to form, a, you know, Haitian association. So to preserve our culture, to have meetings among Haitians and, and, and stuff like that. So I, I was pretty involved you know when i was in the united states and then when i got back home you know after the duvaliers it got that down and then uh, of course i continue to get involved so this is the, this is the whole the background well this is what this i got involved in i got involved in so many you know movements you know, student movements and workers' movement and, you know, and neighborhood, popular neighborhood movement. Because at that time, because you remember, this is the, the popular neighborhood that really, mm. that rise up, you know, to fight against, uh, to fight against uh, Duvalier's regime and, and stuff like that. So this is it, the, the student movement. Of course, I was very young at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is why I was like, just like you, <laughs> involved. Uh, you know, the, I mean, you know, at that age, I was really involved in this. This, so of course, I got involved in the uh, uh, workers' movement, and then it becomes much more structured. Okay, organizing, let's say, having formed unions, difficulties to keep the unions in the factories because the bosses wouldn't let that, mm. and then uh, of course. And then 
and and it takes a little time because every time we 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 manage to to have a union you know because if you need 10 12 people to form a union once you um, it send a letter to the factory management telling that we form a union so like that they start getting rid of the people and the people got fired so it's, it was very difficult and uh, to form a union movement you know in in the factory so we persist we continue to get involved and then we decide around in 2009 because we had a big movement for uh raise you know for minimum wage and there were so many people involved in the struggle uh and then i said wow we have so many people and then they were not organized at all we said we have to organize these people make sure we have a organized movement it's not just people because it's on was on may day people just got in the street you know to uh, demand for uh, a salary hike and then this how i got got we 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 think the way we were organizing the workers like uh, instead of having one union for each factory we said we're going to have an industrial you know union yeah. i mean for the whole for all the factories together even though we can they can in in get rid of one but we still have the others continue and then the name will continue and then we could continue to to reorganize reorganize the one that we lost and then and continue this is since 2009 we've been involved with uh, the Bataille mm. a movement that way uh, of course since uh and uh, 1996, no, 1995, we formed the Bata movement, but it was mostly outside. Okay, we we formed some committees, workers committees, and then we were meeting outside, and we were not, uh, I should say, legally uh, formed. You know. Recognized, we didn't have the legal recognition, and it was around 2009 we start having this. So we formed the unions in different factories. So, uh, so we pretty strong, I might say, in the garment sector with uh, the way because of our actions and the way we persist, the way we defend the workers. If there were problem, of course we go, we we present, we have lawyers to come you know, to the Ministry of Labor. So, and then we have those movements around May Day and whenever it's need to have a raise hike, we have those uh, mass movement like we had uh, in February. And uh, we feel that uh, what we got in February, it was just 6,685 goods. We demand yeah. one fifteen hundred goods, and then uh, it's not enough. And and things got worse because of the taxes, because uh, 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 the taxes and uh, the internal revenue service took more because of the the little uh, raise that uh, that came out with the 685 so the workers are saying what's what's the use of fighting for for something like that we got a raise but everything went down it's like uh, we didn't get a raise and uh, at all and then uh, so this is a big problem so even things got so uh 
complicated that uh, like uh, like yesterday the the association the the government uh, owners association you know publish a note saying that they're not gonna get the taxes on the workers until in the government decide how how it must be done because mm-hmm. there were some protests uh, people protesting against this because uh it's about more than 25% of their wage out. That's ridiculous. It is. Can you imagine? The, the wages are already low. Of course, we're talking about there because it's not just a minimum wage. It's just it's also the production wage, which is a little bit higher, but you have to produce more. Of course, mm. you have to kill yourself to get to, yeah, like they will ask you for uh, one forty. 40 dozens, you know, you have to do 160,000 of uh, T-shirts that you have to do, you know, per day, you know, for a little bit of, you know, money. So the workers say, no, they are killing themselves to, to, to reach the, the production goals. And then 25% will go out to the, to, to, the, to the government for taxes. That's too That's much. Ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So, so now this is one we are fighting against this, what we call, it's, we call IRI, is the internal revenue uh, taxes. Because it's whatever you earn, they take that. It's about a 15% like this from, mm. you know, the, this tax. And then they take 12, I mean, 6% for pension fund. And then and 1% for another I mean three percent for three or different taxes for the collective uh like uh, for the the local taxes you know uh, for uh local government you know and uh not the central government and uh and other things for assist you know to assist people who, are, who cannot afford to work or whatever. But anyway, it's the whole, the, the, uh, they are taking from the, 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 their salaries, it's about 25%. That's too much. We know that by October, they have to raise the minimum wage again. Yeah. Because the law says every, uh, every new fiscal year, if the fiscal year starts around October in Haiti, and then uh, in, if the inflation rate is more than 10%, they have to uh, adjust the minimum wage. But we know already the inflation rate is more than 20%. And, and the prices changes almost every day. Like you buy something, say you buy three plantains for uh, 50 goods, and then the next day it's 100 goods. It's the next day it's 125. The next day it's 150. You know, the problem is uh, we have two kinds of inflation in Haiti in the economy because most of the stuff that we use, we, we we buy them from outside. It's imported goods. And of course, you know the problem in the south with uh, earthquake and then uh, and uh, cyclones, whatever. And uh, uh, so we have all these things, storms, and uh, and also dry season. So we have all this difficulty that uh, have uh, impacted 
the agricultural production. So we depends on the uh, imported uh, goods. So with the inflation going on all over the world, you know, with the war in Ukraine, and of course, remember with the COVID-19 mm. and all this thing. So we have two types of uh, inflation. One that is imported because we have to buy imported the goods and one because of a uh, low production, you know, uh, a local production in, uh, in, 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 in Haiti. So we have all these things that that's, this is why prices are rising almost every day. So it's a very difficult. So this is a situation that we are dealing with and this is why we have to be very uh, uh, active, you know, and, uh, and also to demand, make, make the people, make the, this government know that uh, all management, you know, the buses, the private uh, uh, companies know about the situation. That's amazing. Like, thank you so much for the whole context and just even just hearing your story, I could listen to you for ages. Like, I think it's just so amazing what you've like, how your just every experience you had and then how it's led to where we are now. And mm-hmm. yeah, and I think that the double inflation as well is something that I'm particularly like has shocked me as well. Like, I think the impact of the 25% tax on workers and on top of minimum wage, there's so many questions I want to ask based on this. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, I think there's one I, really want, there's one I really want to ask. I don't know if I should ask it now, but um, I think you mentioned a lot. Yeah, I think we mentioned a lot about the government and um, the de facto government. I really want to talk about kind of how the US, like US imperialism and recent policy implemented by the US and World Bank, how has that shaped the experience of workers and garment workers um, and led to what we see in the factories? You see, most of the the, the brands uh, mm. that are producing uh, articles in, in in Haiti are from the United States. Yeah, okay? we're talking about brands and like uh, Under Armour. Uh, uh, we're talking about uh, you know big names uh, like uh, Old Navy because uh, I'm talking about Old Navy because this is uh, really geared to young people. Because of yeah. these things, and then of course Gildan, where where we can we make T-shirts for them, and then while well, they they print all kinds of stuff on the T-shirts, and then uh, and of of course the big stores like uh, Walmart uh, and Kmart and then uh, Target. So we have uh, different stuff. It's mostly garment and mm-hmm. and and predominant, predominantly T-shirts. Of course. So, of course, there are two uh, main areas where they have factories. One is the metropolitan area in Port-au-Prince, which is the capital, and uh, in the northeast, where they have two free free trade zone. One in Caracol, the other one in 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 uh, in Wanamet. One other thing about these things. Of course, we are fighting for better wages, better working conditions, but uh, in it, it, it's it's not at the same level in the two places or the, in different factories. There are some factories we we made some uh, some gain, okay. We, for instance, at the the free trade zone in in Kodevi in Wanamet. Okay, we are in the process of negotiating a collective bargaining agreement right oh, wow. now. Yeah, we start already. We had the first round and then we're going to have a second round next week. 
of course, with the, but this is the third time we've been involved in that kind of, uh, 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 action, which is very important because with the collective, uh, bargaining agreement, you have a, something on a piece of paper that, you know, both sides agreed, you know, to apply, you know, so in meaning that we have better working conditions, better relations between the unions and, and, uh, and management, uh, and also try to get uh, more social benefits. Okay. So for instance, at the factory, you know, uh, the, the, the women, you know, getting back to, uh, what I was saying that because there are no place to, to bring the kids. So the, the, the Haitian, uh, government worker have to leave uh, the kids, you know, in the hands of a neighbor, you know, and who it will take care of the kids, you know, most of the time, would have its eyes uh, of the kids all most of the time. So it accident can happen like that little boy who got really burned so badly. And then, uh, and then we have at, for instance, at that free trade zone, they have a, a place where the factory work women can bring their kids. Yeah, so this is uh, an important social benefit that uh, for these women. Yeah. Could you explain what free trade zones are and what the conditions are like in the factories? Okay, the free trade zone is an area they, they decide and this is closed, you know, all over. It's like a prison. <laughs> anyway, they have uh, a number of factories in, 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 inside this, uh, this, uh, area. Okay. And then they have different factories. So the factories may be owned by different, uh, uh, owners, or it could be a group of factories owned by one owner. Okay. For instance, uh, you know, there's a difference between the one in Port-au-Prince and the one in, in Wanamet. You know, in, in, in Port-au-Prince, each factory, they have about 35 factories inside the free trade zone and, and, uh, and it's owned by, uh, by different factory owners. Okay. Uh, different. And then in, 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 at Codevi, when it started, you know, in Wanamet, it was owned by just one but just one owner and that was the Cooper May and this is the 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 the, the company that built this free trade zone because this is a private free trade zone okay and uh, but the one in Port-au-Prince is a, it's owned by the state it's a public one and the state rent to different companies so you have this thing so in each factories of course they have their own rules they have their way the way they treat people but mostly the working conditions are it's it's the one in Portland it's uh, very hot because it's been there since the 1970s so it wasn't built uh, uh, as we know now there's some after what happened in in Bangladesh mm, Anna Plaza. So the rules have to be changed, you know, particularly the occupational uh, 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 problems that you have. And then, uh, so in in the, the fact uh, in the free trade zone in Port-au-Prince, they are uh, uh, they 
under the standard, I should say. Hey, I mean, it's not standard. So you have the situation where and the factories are really hot, really hot because of they don't have enough blowers to get rid of them because you have all those machines working. It's getting mm. friction. It's really hot. And then and then they're much more stricter too. And uh, they very anti-union most of the time. And then uh, and uh, it's mostly women working under and uh, supervisors that are men. Okay, wow. that's a division oh, thing. Yeah. And then you found the problem of uh, sexual har- harassment because of this uh, type of uh, situation. And also because of the poverty of the people. Because social harassment is, just, is something like uh, in, in many places where it's involuntary. But you yeah. have the situation where this woman has to pay his rent you know, it's coming in next week and there's no money to pay this week. And so if a supervisor said, okay, uh, I could do something for you. And then she accepts yeah. <laughs> this type of, kind of, of course, it's sexual harassment. We're talking yeah. about somebody yeah. at a higher uh, places, you know, offering it's to help. Workers. It's, yeah. it's not yeah. right. It's not right. So you have this type of situation, sexual harassment, uh, uh, and then the and of course not enough bathroom of the bathroom, and uh, taking care properly. Like you find women won't find toilet papers, and then you know to 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 help sometimes water scarce. Okay, and uh, even to wash your hand their hands, and uh, so it's uh, the. So I'm not saying it's that way all over, but there are really, uh, it used to be worse because of the struggle and then uh, things are being denounced and then and workers are more aware of the situation. They can protest and say, no, and we need water, we need uh, uh, papers, uh, we need all kinds of stuff, you know, in, in factory. So also because of the presence of a union too in so they can raise the the problems raise the questions and uh, to the the factory management so in a whole the problem it's the kind of uh, it's the social relations and their physical problems like water, you know, scarce, and and sometimes you can't find water to drink, or people have to go and buy in a, a bag of water, you know, outside, or they have to bring their own water. You found this situation in in, in different places, but also you have a. Uh, it's the way they treat people. Like uh, usually, the uh, workers feel that they don't treat them properly. Like that like they're not human beings. Mm. This is uh, this is a, the, the 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 problem. And then also the services are not adequate because let's say you feel you don't you don't feel well. Okay, even though you pay uh, for social. Uh, for the medical services, you pay insurance, uh, you know, uh, health insurance. But when you go to the to the hospital, you don't get the services that you need. For instance, two years ago, we had a pregnant woman who died because she died and her baby too. Because when she didn't feel well, she went to the hospital. You know, they tell her they can't take care of you because 
the fact we didn't pay for the oh for the health insurance. But can you imagine every every time they pay, they took six percent or three percent. So where's that the, money for going? health insurance? The problem is, is the factory owners don't send the money to the insurance company. So once they go to the hospital, the hospital said, we don't have your name. You didn't pay. This is the situation. So so you found this. So like, a, uh, I think, uh, yeah, two years ago. And then uh, she died because of this. And we found another worker also who had a heart attack when she, when he he went to the to the to the hospital. They couldn't take care of him. So you have this situation, the services, health services are bad. And also, of course, low wages and uh, very the, the difficult inside the factories. The relations are uh, really bad because of the, uh, the way they treat people. And uh, it's a, a social class bias because they are in the lower class of so the one who are supervisors or managers okay they don't treat them well so this you can find this the this problem uh, between uh, in, inside the factories and of course the low wages and and, and the physical conditions you know a lot of uh, uh, let's you know, because mm-hmm. the factory is not clean. Of course, they are dealing with garment. There are a lot of lens coming out of this garment. And so, so you found a lot of people having an, uh, a respiratory uh, uh, problems. Yeah. And, and another problem, because of the food they're eating, they don't eat proper food, nutritious food. You found people who have problems, stomach problems. Okay. And of course, I mentioned the the service or health services. It depends on if the the factory owners send the money to the insurance company. But if they doesn't, you know, although they took the money out of the salary, but they don't send it to the insurance company. They kept it. And then this is one of the things. So uh, this is uh, the, the problem that uh, you have to deal with. And of course, the insecurity situation, because you have the workers, they live very far from, from the from the from the free trades. So they have to take transportation. They have to uh, uh, get up early yeah, to find the bus to take them to the to the free trade zone so with the insecurity problem and then the streets are you know sometimes they have to take the street while people are uh, are having guns they have guns yeah. fires going on in some neighborhoods where some uh, groups some groups are taking over this neighborhood so they control this neighborhood and sometimes it's difficult to get out or mm-hmm. they have to run, or sometimes people are telling them they shouldn't be in the street, or pushing them, and then and, and and you know just like that telling them, or stealing their stuff like their phones and uh, their uh, purse, you know, while they are in the streets. So they have to deal with this issue. Or sometimes this is the situation in Port-au-Prince. Yeah, everything you said, I think you mentioned it as well, like just the dehumanization of workers as uh, just being mere kind of cogs in a machine to produce and produce and right. produce. They have no mm-hmm. 
human rights they're not deserving of it and in fact in mm. many cases that's why you get people in the west who are like oh at least they have jobs to the they point have that jobs. It, yeah it's like exemplifies just kind of the dehumanization like no but they deserve dignity they deserve human rights they deserve to survive that's and that's it's right. ridiculous and i think you've just basically encompassed everything wrong with the, with the no, whole it industry is. It is. yeah because we are human beings doesn't because we are poor we don't have the we are not we don't have the economic situation to deal with uh, with the the, our needs but it doesn't have to be that you treat, treat them like they are no human at all women are working because they are dignified person they mm. want to earn their, their living they want to take care of themselves take care of their kids take care of their families this is so dignified you know this is the yeah. most important so our free mm. trade zones they're not covered by legislation or anything like human rights sort of laws and well, yes, yes. But the question is not that because it's a workplace. Of course, they have to abide by the uh, international uh, ILO conventions. Of course. But, of course, they don't uh, sometimes yeah. they, they violate them. And uh, and their laws, they have to abide by the national uh, labor law. But sometimes they don't, they don't, uh, they don't follow them. <laughs> Uh, because we know free trade zone mean uh, no rights zone, okay? And, uh, and and this is why we start to organize workers as early as possible once they start uh, 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 training the workers to to come, to become, I mean, to train people to become workers in those uh, free trade zones. So we start there and organize the, the trainees, you know, while they were at the training center. So we know when, when the free trade zone would open, we have people who be informed about their rights, what to do, and stuff like that. This is what we did in 2004. And of course, so this is why we can have a collective bargaining agreement with uh, the, 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 the free trade zone owner. Yeah, like you mentioned 2004, like in terms of what happened during that period. And I know, well, obviously me and Nav weren't here, but No Sweat and the Haiti Support Group organized a speaking mm-hmm. tour for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what was going around that time that led you to travel to the UK to gather support? Oh, it, we, we were part of the campaign against Disney. Okay. You know, the Disney company? Yeah. They were gosh. producing... Uh, um, uh, there were a um, sleepwear for children and uh, with the Mickey Mouse and you know all the Disney characters okay and yeah. in this particular factory and uh, there were a lot of violations and then uh, it's not only the salary uh, uh, but, but also the, the, the relations between the workers and, and also anti-unions and then we we tried to build union i think probably three or four times in those factories and they were they will uh get rid of the 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 people who start the unions so once uh, we got her because we didn't know it just what it's just so when we had a visit with a, a group of students in the united states they were asking you what kind of a uh, materials, what uh, you know, what, what are the brands that you were mm. doing? So, this is how we find out that Disney, I mean, myself, I knew about Disney, but uh, but the workers in general didn't know what Disney would present in the uh, in, in America, yeah. 
So, and then when we were talking about the working condition there, they said, wow, Disney, this is a company that we can raise some hell because Disney is, is worldwide, so known worldwide and particularly in the United States. So we start, they start a campaign. There was a, st a student group, you know, that came to Haiti and then they visit, they visit us. They knew about what we were doing. And then we start that, uh, the campaign. Okay, and then uh, yeah. and, and of course, and uh, this campaign was relayed by other European organizations, like particularly the Haiti Support Group, and then they they invite us. So we were in a campaign against uh, and Disney and other companies that uh, we find out uh, were uh, producing their stuff in in Haiti. So this is how I I got to the UK. And to talk about this situation, mm -hmm. I was in 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 the UK at that time. We didn't have a, a union, we did, because they were they exist, but they were they had very difficult time to to function inside inside the factories. Now it's a different story. We have union. They know the union the leaders, and and they. They know what they're doing, you know. They, they. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a different uh, uh, situation. I think we, 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 we made some gains. And one thing is just that when people said, "Well, it's not important to to get involved to do the, the international solidarity," I have to tell you, we use the international solidarity network that we had that support what we we were doing, you know, as a. Uh, union work in 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 at Codevi, and they learn about it too, about the situation, and then from the the experience we got from the campaign, you know, Disney against Disney, and then we we do we continue to do it whenever we had problem, and we find try to find out the brands and inform the brands about the situations, and friends, and. Uh, one other thing about this, the we were talking about the the World Bank, yeah, okay, and then that free trade zone was built with the money from from the IFC, which is a, a component of a, a World Bank, yeah, okay, and this IFC is international financial corporation something like that is the financing projects development projects and they consider the this free trade zone as a development project so they 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 finance it for about 50 million dollars something like that okay of course they they, they the 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 company the owner uh, the private the company that owns the Fijian Zone got this money from the from the World Bank from the IFC. Yeah. So through the national solidarity network that we had, and and, and starting from the the Disney campaign and other campaign and other because there were other companies that we 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 had a campaign against you know to support the workers. And uh, so there was some information that we got from other organizations, okay? And then one information that we got is just that if the, if the IFC is financing a project, there is, there is a clause 
in the contract that says they have to respect workers' rights. Okay, so we find out about it because we didn't know. We find out about it. And then once we knew, we start questioning the company. And then we said, you know, you borrow money basis on the, on the you're going to respect workers' rights. You're not doing this. <laughs> you fired them because they were organizing, you know, to have a union. And then we wrote to the, uh, the IFC people and then they got involved. And they put pressure on the company. And then at the end, it ended up we having a, a collective bargaining agreement, the first CBA that we had with this company. And then we went on to have a second. And now we're having a third one. We made yeah. those important steps in our struggle to organize workers, you know, in, in the country. So this is, I mean, this is one of my examples to 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 make people understand what you're doing when we're talking about international solidarity. It's not a vain thing. It's not a, a, a word just like this. And yeah. it's something that helps organizations that are working really to uh, that are fighting for better working conditions, better working, better living conditions. Well, a better world, I should say, you know. And uh, this is a step. This is maybe a little thing. This is just one little thing. But it's important for the people who benefit from it. But thank you so yes. much for your time. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I, it was very enjoyable to talk to you. This is the first time that it's good. Really good. I enjoyed yeah. it. So the, there we go. That was our, our, our interview with the incredible, um, with the incredible Yannick Etienne. Um, so one of the things I took away from that um, interview is what Misha said in the, the our previous podcast: was, "Stop being sad and do something." Um, at the moment, I feel that. Um, it feels like everything's against us, uh, and you know the the, the current the government we have is the, 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 you know the worst thing we can almost imagine in the in our you know in our sort of the 21st century situation. But this is an interview with someone who did stop being sad and do something. This is someone who got off her ass and you know went and got involved. So um, Yannick placed a lot of um, a lot of emphasis on um, on how these issues affect women. Um, what did you guys take away from what she said specifically about? Um, about how worker exploitation in Haiti uh, exploits and affects women. So one of the quotes that um, really stood out to me was that women have dignity. Yeah, I mean, I think it was really important that she spoke about how women are essentially, the factory would use their vulnerability and the fact that they know they need to pay their rent and they need the money essentially to survive. And so they use that to essentially prey on them and that's why they end up being subjected to sexual harassment and I think that's very much something we see across the garment industry and like um, Nav said it's really important to remember like, like we are distanced from these workers but they deserve dignity they deserve rights yeah. and that's what um, Bate Uvi are working towards which is helping these workers to, I guess, learn their rights, to stand up against it and collective bargaining. And I know we are going to be very trade union centred, but I think it's, and worker organising centred, but I think this conversation out, like, generally in this space isn't spoken about as much. And I think it's really important to remember that 
these sorts of collective bargaining agreements are crucial because workers have a say in their rights. Um, the ability to, for workers to, ha- to be able to organise in the first place in these factories, I think, is so key. So the work they are doing is so crucial to workers being able to fight for their own rights and to demand justice. And I think it's so pivotal, um, challenging the IFs, getting the I, um, challenging ideas for fight, challenging Disney with yeah. um, their international solidarity. And I think it's so important. Yeah. Yeah, that's something else. The, the 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 international solidarity component that these these campaigns and these issues are not they're not um they're not isolated to individual countries. The international component is is key, right? Is that- yeah. So she mentioned how it's super important that um and, and how she obviously really appreciates international solidarity because with that it raises awareness about the situation in other countries mm-hmm. and it just supports what the workers are asking for and again it puts pressure on companies once they see that they're getting this support internationally i read i read before um many years ago about about free trade zones um and this is something that she she mentions um so can you explain to me and any everyone else who's as thick as I am um, what free trade zones are and why they are a sort of key component in uh, the sort of multinational corporation exploitation of workers? What how they come about, why they exist, and what they are? Yeah, so these free trade zones essentially allow or give the space for corp. It's basically a way to incentivize co- brands to come to these countries and um, essentially source clothing from there because they're very relaxed in terms of tariffs. Um, the taxes that work brands have to pay are very low. And it's essentially just saying, look, we can give you these cheap labor in these factories, come to us. And so these free trades are set up like literally across the global south, right. trying to incentivize brands to come down. And that's why it's extremely, extremely cheap. Um, they violate laws but nothing's done about it it's just kind of they they just merely exist they're not really something to abide by and yeah brands are very very aware of this they are 100 in in fact that's exactly why these these zones do so well because brands thrive on that they thrive on the inability of workers to associate to for freedom association the low wages they're not the lack of tariffs or anything to they don't need to pay just they just quick come in exploit workers um get their goods and leave yeah, right. So they're like wild west zones, essentially, mm. away from these kind of international trends towards workers' rights and 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 so, like Nav, it, it, again, like bringing this back to like, I say the high street. One of the things I was got surprised by is they're they're surprisingly big brands. Like the list of brands that are affiliated with these practices that source their stuff from Haiti. Well, I one of the ones I've, you know, some of the ones I've read are quite surprising. So, Nav, can you give us a, like a hate list for Haiti of uh, of brands that are involved in this that people may be shocked to find um, are sourcing their stuff from exploited workers? Some of the much loved brands that you may have heard of um, are New Balance, Gap, Gildan, Disney, Champion, and Haynes. I got arrested outside Gap on Oxford Street for nothing because they're still doing it that <laughs> um, was uh, Cambodia was was the issue at that point there was uh, striking workers in Cambodia have been shot was what we said at the time but they're still up to their same old they haven't learned their lesson have they no they haven't and no. I thought New Balance was an eth- like I genuinely thought New Balance was like supposed to be an ethical company so it's, it's 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 ethical, ethical washing quotation it? ethical yeah, washing quotation, yeah fucking right absolutely absolutely well look 
thank you so much both this interview was absolutely incredible and and what we always want to do uh you know the the the, the motto of the show now Maisha came up with uh, uh stop being sad and do something and um you can uh listening at home you can stop being sad and you can do something if you want to know more about uh the solidarity organization that's happening in haiti go to the no sweat website no sweat.org.uk um, no sweat involved in uh, international solidarity uh, with the organisations in Haiti and get involved, get involved in campaigning, get involved in raising awareness um, and fundraising. You can do something. You don't need to do much, but you can do something. Uh, even when it comes to online um, calls for action, you know, like our pay your workers hashtag where we, we target brands, you can even get involved with that. All it takes is a share on Instagram. Um you know, um, like targeting brands, they'll see it. If, if enough of us uh, comment for, and, and tag them, they'll see it 100%. Yeah, yeah, wicked. Use those, use your keyboard for something other than just arguing mm-hmm. with yeah. turfs on Twitter. I mean, do argue with turfs on Twitter, but you know. Do that as well. Uh, <laughs> this is a very issue. Uh, you can find No Sweat on uh, Facebook, No Sweat UK, on Twitter, um, No underscore sweat, and Instagram, No underscore sweat underscore uk if you just google no sweat you'll find it you'll find yeah. all of that stuff uh so thank you very much uh to our experts and activists uh maisha begum and nav uh sing you've got you've got a different surname here <laughs> yes yeah, it's, 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 i've got both i've got core and sing so what would you core, prefer? um sing core right. means princess so it's the okay. female one and then sing right. is lion but i have both right. so i'm no, non-binary by default basically yeah 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 <laughs> we all right um uh, cool. you know what all fuck right. it just say both now yeah, i'll say both all right yeah corsing, corsing or sing core corsing coursing all right um so thank you to our uh, no sweat activists and experts and interviews maisha begum and nav coursing um uh, non-binary by default uh, <laughs> they are a princess and a lion uh, i'm off to buy a pair of new balance trainers and then throw them through the window of primark and then pick them back up and go and find someone who needs shoes i have been andrew neil this has been um an incredible educational enlightening uh, experience. Uh, this is the No Sweat Podcast, and we thank you very much for listening. Get involved. <laughs>